in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. And this is what the prophet has written. So they're quoting Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So interesting, Herod goes and he asks all the chief priests and the religious folks and the teachers, and he says, where is this Messiah going to be born? And they quickly say, Bethlehem. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Herod's a sly one. Mr. Grinch. (laughs) We have kids, and they're loving Mr. Grinch right now. All right, verse 9. After they had heard this, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by a different route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he, Joseph, got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. That's Hosea 11, if you want to cross-reference it. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Uh, By the way, there's probably about 30 children killed here, just so you know. It wasn't countrywide genocide, but it it would have been localized in Bethlehem. In accordance with that time, he had learned from the Magi, That was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you enliven your word to us this morning? And Father, I pray that as your people, that we would incline our hearts and our minds towards you to hear from you. Father, would you change us? Would you convict us? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you allow us to see you as this loving, gracious, kind, good Father? And Father, as we hold up the mirror of your word, would you allow us to look into it, see you, see ourselves, and be changed? In your name we pray. Amen. So the three groups that I want to look at, um, I want to look at first um, the reaction of Herod. Um, Then I want to look at the reaction of the chief priests and the teachers, the religious people. And then thirdly, I want to look at the reaction of the Magi to the Christ child. All right? Okay, so um, Herod is is kind of king at this time. He's sort of a king. He's half Jewish, half Gentile. And he's obviously afraid that this little child is going to interfere with his life, um, his choices, his power, his influence, his pride, his kingdom, and his rule. And... He's right. He's absolutely correct. And I would actually, um, I would immediately want to say that when you encounter Jesus, you will have one of these three reactions. When you encounter Jesus for the very first time, you're going to have one of these three reactions. And as we as believers on our own Jesus journey, as as he is leading us, we will consistently come back to these three reactions. 
So the first reaction we begin to see is a reaction of um, hatred and hostility. So Herod hears about this baby, this king that's being born, this Messiah, and he's all of a sudden um, lying and he's conniving and he's uh, finding out where this child is so that he can go and kill the child. You know, I think there are still those among us, and even if we're truly honest, there's probably parts of our own lives that at points we would rather see Christ Jesus destroyed so that he doesn't interfere with our lives or our marriages or our parenting or our finances or our friends or our job. Like it's scary when you start thinking about giving your life and surrendering your life to this king and giving him full control. You know, I was thinking back at different points, having encountered some people who had a reaction to Jesus of hatred and hostility, and um, a memory kept returning to me, and it was when I was a freshman at UNCW, it was 1999, and the Christian clubs on campus came to me, and they said, I think there were six or eight of them that joined together, but they said, hey, will you you do this thing uh, called I Agree With Mike? It was I Agree With Dave when they came to me, but I was Michael, and they wanted to call me Mike. So, okay, so will you do this thing called I Agree With Mike? And I said, okay, sure. Um, And no uh, disrespect to Christian groups and clubs, but usually when Christians have a great idea, it doesn't always uh, go off with like a real bang, right? So I figured it was going to go off with a whimper, and I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll end up speaking to two or three people. But these Christian groups really did it right, and what happened is on every day, um, it was like a two-week window, and every day all these groups went out, and they wore these shirts, these bright yellow, yellow, like highlighter yellow shirts that said, I agree with Mike, and they were everywhere. I was like... And then they're chalking on everything. It's like on every board and whiteboards. Like I'm walking into all my classes and it's everywhere. I agree with Mike. It's on the sidewalk. Like they blew this thing up. And the idea was as the week went on and then early into the next week, they flipped it and they went, um, come here, Mike. And so the idea was that I was going to speak at the amphitheater and I was going to preach Jesus really big and bold. And I was going to give an opportunity for a lot of people to come to Christ. And I figured three or four people would show up. It was amazing. I mean, it was awesome. I got to preach in the amphitheater, and uh, it was, it was, but it was a, um, actually, there's all sorts of hostility and strange reaction. There was a guy smoking uh, weed over here on one side and yelling the entire time I preached. It was amazing. And then there was somebody else who ran down and, and half stripped and jumped into the lake behind me while I talked. I mean, it was, but it was so, it was so good. But what was, um, perhaps most profound is I was in, at the same time, um, a history of Abrahamic religion uh, class at UNCW. And so um, this uh, professor um, did not like Christians, and I didn't know that. And I remember going in every day, and it became apparent to him over that two-week window that I was Mike. I don't know that I've ever experienced this type of animosity from an authority figure that I experienced in front of the whole class from him. I mean, I was like, I mean, he just hammered me every day. He just like lit into me. I I didn't even, I wanted to skip class. But it was interesting because I went up after one of the classes and I got to talking to him and it turned out that his father was a very religious man, a pastor. And he had vehement animosity towards this Jesus and towards pastors and churches and anyone affiliated with them. 
So the first thing that I want you to get this morning is when King Jesus comes onto the scene in any way, one of the responses that you may have is one of hatred and hostility. And here's the thing, it's okay, even if us, those of us in the kingdom, in, in a relationship with Jesus, there will be times where you may even experience that, and I want to actually um, almost diffuse the room and go, it's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay there forever, all right? But it is okay to journey through your own disappointment and hurt and frustration uh, with the Lord so long as you keep moving. Yeah? Okay. So the first response is one of hatred and hostility like Herod responds. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as the Israelites did in the rebellion. Actually talking about Exodus that we've been working through. But I think the challenge for many of us is we want what we want when we want it. You know what I'm saying? And, and when Jesus interferes with that, we often have a vehement or a negative response. Our little youngest guy, uh, Ezra, when you correct him, um, he's the sweetest little thing in the world, but when you correct him, he will run to the corner and bang his head into the wall. <laughs> he does not like to be corrected. He wants to do it his way, when he wants, and how he wants. And I would actually propose to you that we as people are not much different. We want it our way. And so when, when and I even, I use the word King Jesus because it actually connotes or denotes that he becomes king of our lives. When, when you step back from the gospel and you look at Genesis to Revelation, you look at even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you listen to what Jesus is talking about, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, it's absolutely transformational in terms of the thinking of the day because he hadn't yet died on the cross. That's right. So it's not unlike um, somebody standing out on the corner saying, take up your lethal injection and follow me, or take up your electric chair. Uh, now, I go there with me just a second, because in this day, you have a group of people that to them, a cross is an instrument of death. It's an instrument of um, absolute uh, horror and terror. And so when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, what he's talking about is laying everything down at his feet... And following him. A lot of times we whitewash uh, the gospel message or clean the gospel message or change it, um, reduce it so that it is more, um, uh, it feels better. The gospel is so radical. And what it requires even of us as, pe as people is so radical that we would lay it all down. And yet the blessing and the promise and the grace and the joy and the goodness on the other side of that laying it all down is extraordinary. You, you only actually begin to grasp your identity and even my identity, our identity as sons, as daughters, as heirs once you actually lay it all down. It's in that surrender that actually Jesus comes and takes it up. So John 12, 24, Jesus actually says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Think of a little acorn. When an acorn falls off a mighty oak tree, the only way for the acorn uh, to access the inherent God-given power inside that little, little seed to become a mighty oak is to fall to the ground and die. 
And it's in the death that Christ then resurrects us with him and gives us life. Does he want life for us? Yes. Does he want blessing for us? Yes. Does he want goodness for us? Yes. But if you short circuit the process, in other words, a lot of us want to go, let's not talk about taking up our cross. Let's just go right to the end point. I've got good news and bad news. You can't. And I've found in my life that I surrender my life to him not just once, but I find that my life is most full of the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord and the power of the Lord when I'm actively surrendering my heart and my life every day. That's the place of sweet power and presence in the resurrection life of Jesus inside of us. Okay, so the first thing we have here is when Jesus shows up on the scene, we have a reaction of hatred and hostility, Herod. Second reaction we have. Now, this is, um, this is possibly, um, hmm, uh, this is possibly to me the absolute uh, scariest um, reaction, and it's a reaction of indifference. All right, I want to actually read it. <clears throat> verse uh, 3, when King Herod heard, this is chapter 2, verse 3, heard this, that the, the Messiah was being born, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. <clears throat> and they answered. All of the religious people, all of the church leaders, all the temple leaders, scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, they knew where Jesus was going to be born. And not only did they know where Jesus was going to be born, they could have stood up and walked there within a couple hours, and they missed it. Because they were indifferent. They missed the coming of the Messiah and the coming of this king. Lord, don't let us miss it. I'm going to flip and read something. John 5 is what I'm going to read out of, and I'm actually going to go there. This is Jesus talking in John 5, and he's actually talking to a group of religious people. So I would, I would say this group of religious people is like pastors, leaders. It's scary to be a pastor and a leader, in my opinion. And this is what he says. And the Father, this is John 5, verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. You've never heard God nor seen his form. Nor does his word dwell in you. Now these people have spent their life studying. Like, listen to me. They have spent their life studying the Old Testament Bible. Their entire life. And yet he's saying, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. Now, who's that? Jesus. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you possess eternal life, which is true. But these very scriptures testify about me, yet you refuse to, me to, to come to me to have life. You have a group of people that Herod now calls together. So King Herod, he calls them into his, his courts in Jerusalem, and he says, where's the Messiah going to be born? And they said, oh, Bethlehem, like, you know, five miles that way. 
They've spent their entire life studying actually the Bible. They've spent, they could probably recite most of the Torah. They could probably recite many of the Psalms and even the prophets. They were so steeped in the word, and yet they missed the person. If you've sat here for any length of time, you know that I am a word person as much as they come. I love the word. But the word without being enlivened by the Spirit. The Word points to the Spirit, and the Spirit points to the Word. And I think one of the saddest things in this country at this time is there's this strange, silent divorce between those who are committed to the Word and those who are committed to the Spirit. And I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. You cannot have the Word without the Spirit, and you can't have the Spirit without the Word. Jesus is is looking at this group of people and he's saying, you study the scriptures diligently. Well done is what he's saying, but they all point to me and now here I am and yet you can't see me. Oh Lord, don't let us be a church that reads the word and studies the word and looks at the historical situation and the archaeological situation and then misses the very presence and person of Jesus when he moves through the room. Oh, Lord, also don't let us be a group that denies and walks away from the word to follow some strange feeling that we claim is you. People err on both sides. I actually think that the most dangerous place, if you're a Christian, and if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I think this is probably the most dangerous place for us. It's just the drift. I used to be a surfer. I don't surf much anymore. I love to surf. But when you, when you surf and you paddle out in a, um, to an open ocean, like a point break or an open ocean wave, or you paddle out um, e- even around here when there's a strong wind blowing one way, the, the current will actually often sweep you. Ever seen that? So if you're not careful, you paddle out there, and if you're not watching where you are, all of a sudden you might be a half mile or a mile down the beach. It's, it's the drift, and you actually have to keep paddling and sort of moving so you can stay in position. It's the same in the Christian life. If you are not careful, if we are not careful, then what happens is our hearts become dull to the Lord Jesus. Our hearts can become dull to our spouse, uh, to our kids, to how to father, to how to mother, to how to be a, a roommate, to how to love people well. It's like the drift and the dulling where we become indifferent. And the very person of Jesus is coming. He's five miles from us, and they don't get up and walk to him to go see Jesus Oh, Lord, don't let us ever get there. They missed the very coming of the Messiah because they were so wrapped up in their religious rituals. Now, let's flip this. Typically, indifference and apathy will harden into outright opposition and hostility. Let me say it again. Typically, apathy and indifference will harden over time into outright hostility and opposition. Who killed Jesus? The same people who were indifferent. You may think 
you can be indifferent to the person of Jesus. You may think that, oh, I, I'm, I'm not like those people that react with hatred and anger. No, no, no. I'm just indifferent. I don't really care. Let me tell you, you cannot sit there forever. Because the drift of life, the drift of um, just, just how the Lord created the world, you are going to be moving either towards him or away from him. I think this is, um, if there is a holy fear inside of my gut, it is just that, Lord, don't let me grow cold and drift from you. Think of his rebuke to the church. I think it's in Ephesus in Revelation 2, 4, but Jesus is speaking at the very end, and he says, here's my complaint against you. You've done all these things great, like I'm super proud of you, but I've got this one complaint against you. You have lost your first love. Your love has grown cold. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, don't let us as a church, not just Saltbox, not just Michael, the capital C church, Lord, don't let us grow cold. Lord Jesus, would you awaken your church? Lord Jesus, would you awaken your people? And I'm convinced that the church awakens when a group of people is committed to staying awake themselves. How do we wake up the church? How do we wake up this church? We start by waking up ourselves. There's a scripture that says judgment begins with the household of God. This is the actual spot and the place where you begin to engage with him and you go, Lord Jesus, my heart has grown cold. Don't let us grow indifferent. <coughs> and don't let our indifference grow <coughs> excuse me, into outright hostility and opposition. I got a cough. Okay, so the first reaction we see here is a reaction of hatred and hostility. A second reaction we see is one of indifference, but it's one of indifference that over 33 years becomes one of hatred and opposition where they ultimately crucify the king. I mean, oh. I think I'd also make a comment or two here. <clears throat> Knowledge is no substitute for obedience. Here's what I mean. I'm a believer in the tremendous value of education, okay? I love education. I'm a reader. We're teaching our kids. Abby's doing this thing with Amelia, and I was this home preschool thing because of COVID, and I was just, I was doing it with Amelia the other day, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, what you're teaching her is incredible. So I'm not downplaying the value of education in my comment here, but I want you to hear something. Education alone will not reform the heart of men and women. It does not work. You have to actually change the heart, and the only way you change the heart is when you come to him and you go, Lord Jesus, I give you my busted, broken heart. And that seed falls to the ground and dies. And then in that death, Christ Jesus resurrects in you and through you. And all of a sudden, the resurrection power of Christ Jesus is living in you. And you get to rise from the dead with him to become that mighty oak, to become the one who will experience the blessing of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord. That's the gospel message. But if you don't go through that laying down and that surrender and that death, you're going to miss the power and blessing that Jesus wants for you in this day and in the days to come. Lord, don't let us be an apathetic church. First reaction is one of hatred and hostility, King Herod. Second reaction is one of indifference. And then the third reaction we see here is from the Magi. Interesting, the Magi. So these are non-Jewish people. These are um, what, what in this day and age they would have called pagans. 
So they're not, um, they're, they're learned in, in all the schooling of the day, but they're certainly not learned in, in uh, Judaism. And they follow this star. And I would actually say to you that no intelligent person, no scholar, no person who in any walk of life anywhere who is able to um, follow the light that God has given them, even if it's a little light in the sky, to follow the light God has given them can miss worshiping at the feet of King Jesus. Now listen to me. Go there just for a second. I'm not going to dig deep into the theological ramifications of that. But if anyone anywhere is willing to follow the light that God has given them, they will end up worshiping at the feet of King Jesus. You've got three, at least maybe a dozen or more secular kings who have come in. They don't know anything about Judaism, and yet they've gone, there is a star, and there is a king, and there is a Messiah, and I'm going to follow it. And when I get there, I'm going to bow down and worship at the feet of this king. That is the gospel message. It's the reaction of adoration. It's the reaction of worship. And I think I would say the desire to lay at the feet of King Jesus the most precious and noble gifts they could bring is what they were all about. When Jesus was at the well with a Samaritan woman, he actually said in John 4.23, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Church, when you realize that the person of Jesus has come, you will travel anywhere. You will go anywhere. You will respond to him. You will seek him out, and then you'll give him the best of what you have. And that's what these three wise men or 12 wise men or however many there were did. Now, here's what I want to say to you this morning. When Jesus moves in your heart or in your life. You might be in here, you might be watching online or listening, and you may have never given your life to this Jesus. When you encounter him, you will have a reaction of hostility and rejection, a reaction of total indifference, or a reaction of adoration and worship. It's the only three options. And as we as believers even take the Jesus journey, you're going to be faced with the same three reactions every day of our Christian life, you're going to park yourself in a reaction of hostility and rejection to what God is doing. You're going to park yourself into a, a position of indifference to what he's doing, or you're going to park yourself in a position of adoration and worship at what he's doing. My prayer is that we would be a worshiping church, that we would lose ourselves at the feet of King Jesus in absolute worship and adoration. Because if you can get this laying down of your own life, the dying of the seed, so that he can raise you up into life with him, you've got the Christmas message. I'd love for the band to come back up. And we're going to close in a song. And I want to do something a little different today. As they come, I would also love our prayer team. If you'll stand up, if you're part of our prayer team, and just make your way, maybe a couple by the doors here and a couple up front. But during this closing song, if you need special prayer, would you go to one of these people? 
And you might go, man, I recognize I'm indifferent. I've got some indifference in my heart. Come to the altar and go, Lord, would you forgive me? You might recognize that you've got some absolute rejection of God in your heart. It's a great place to come, to recognize. You might recognize that you'd like to be a worshiper, but you're not yet. You want to be lost in that adoration. And you might need prayer for something else. So here's what I'd love us to do. I'd love us to actually stand as a church. never gone to somebody and said, hey, I need prayer. The people that have just stood up are safe, trained, love for you to pray with them. I'm going to be down here, and if you're in the room and you've never given your life to this Jesus, I mean really given your life, surrendered it all, I don't mean just pray to prayer, but said, Lord, take my life, take the whole thing. I would love to pray with you. If you're online or listening on a podcast or something, if you'll put a note in the comments section we'd love to get in touch with you we'd love to follow up with you and pray with you this is the Jesus that when you encounter him will evoke a response from every person every one of us is going to respond in one of these three ways hatred and rejection total indifference or absolute worship and adoration as we close in this song, if you need special prayer, would you come up to one of our people? Would you get it? And then I think Laura is going to close our service in just a minute.
Thank you. 
Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this time spent with you, um, Holy Spirit, being here with us this morning. We thank you, King Jesus, for the gift of your life, for being the word appearing in flesh. Lord, I just pray for us as a church that as we go today, that we don't miss it, that we don't miss you um, in our lives from this day forward. Church, I just pray that as we go today, um, we just go in adoration of him this week and forever. We'll continue to have the prayer team up here for anyone who still wants special prayer. All right, everyone. Um, and for those tuning in online, thank you for joining us. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone.